the Bethany Covenant Church Sermon Podcast. We are a multi-generational community in Berlin, Connecticut. Our services are held Sundays at 9.30 a.m., and you can find out more about us at www.bethanycovenant.org. Hello, my friends. Today is the last in the series on the 12 steps, and we'll be looking at step 11 and step 12. In a nutshell, step 11 helps a person develop a daily pattern for growing in their relationship with and reliance upon God. Here's step 11. We sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood God, praying only for knowledge of God's will for us and the power to carry that out. Let me illustrate step 11 by becoming a toaster. I'm a four-slot toaster. I was made to toast bread, bagels, and waffles. I can also do many other things. I can decorate a countertop in a kitchen. I can be used to hide a flaw on the counter or on the wall. I can hold down papers so they won't fly away. My slots can be used for mail, incoming, outgoing, junk, and bills. On a cold morning, I can be used as a hand warmer. My cousin is a stainless steel toaster and can be used as a mirror. I know I was made to be a toaster, but I can do many things. But I can't be a toaster on my own, all by myself. I don't have the power within me to toast anything. The only way I can be what I was made to be is by being plugged in. When I plug in to a power greater than myself, then the toast will come. Only then. Step 11 is plugging in for a toaster. Pray with me. Lord, help me and my friends to recognize what we were made to be and do. Help us also to recognize that we need a power greater than ourselves. We need to plug into you. We need to plug into your son, Jesus. Help us to plug in. In Jesus' name, amen. So how do we understand step 11? Crucial to any healthy and vital relationship is regular and honest communication. Having a vital relationship ongoing with God is impossible without regular, honest communication. To foster our relationship with God is like plugging in. Note, it's a three-pronged plug. The first prong is prayer, talking with God. The second prong is meditation, listening to God. The third prong, the ground, is Bible what God has clearly revealed about his will for our lives. Through the prongs of prayer and meditation and the study of Bible, we draw ever closer to our source of power, God, who gives us guidance and the power to live out that guidance. In step 11, we seek to be what God made us to be. Prior to step 11, we made conscious contact with God three times in this step program. In step three, we turned our life and our will over to God. In step five, we admitted our wrongs to God. And in step seven, we humbly asked God to remove our shortcomings. Now, in step 11, we seek to improve our conscious contact with God, not as a specific step, but as a lifestyle, so that we might become more sensitive and responsive to God's will 
and so that we might be in a position to receive God's power so we can carry out his will. Working Step 11 Step 11 helps us to keep the progress we have made and helps us to keep us freshly in touch with God who has given us the progress. It is God, and only God, who leads us out of sin, literally, as well as the damage we have done to the people around us. And it is God, only God, who leads us toward heaven, the ultimate destination of his will for us. How I put myself in a place for this relationship with God can grow is threefold, as I've mentioned already. The first is prayer. God has been very clear. He wants us to bring everything to him in our prayers. Philippians 4, 6-7 Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. We learn to pray by studying prayers in the Bible. Psalm 23, David's shepherd prayer. Or Psalm 51, David's prayer of confession for his sin. Or Psalm 143, verse 1, David's prayer to learn. Or Matthew 6, 9 to 13, the Lord's Prayer. Or John 17, Jesus' high priestly prayer. And Luke twenty two forty two, Jesus' prayer in the Garden of Gethsemane. But we can also connect with someone we think is a mature prayer and ask them to help us grow in our prayer life. And the third thing, just pray. Begin to speak out to God and then listen. The second thing we can do is to meditate. Meditation is focusing our attention on what God has said or done. Meditation is based on God's messages by the Scripture and by the Holy Spirit. Joshua wrote, quote, Keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it, Joshua 1.8. And the Apostle Paul wrote, Set your minds on the things of God, literally translated, the things above, Colossians 3.2. Here's a, an example, an outline, if you will, of Christian meditation. Find a text, almost any text in the Bible, and give it your full attention. Here's some questions to ask. What did it say to those who first experienced it or first heard it? What does it reveal about God himself? What does it reveal about us? And what does it say to us? Dwell on it so that the Holy Spirit may make it intrinsically part of your spirit. That's Christian meditation. And the prerequisite to meditation is the study of Scripture. If we meditate simply out of quietness, it is flawed from the beginning because that meditation is in control of my mind. It is self-led. It is self-fed. There will be no guidance and certainly no power based simply on silence. We are to feed on the scriptures. The scripture is God's message for us for life. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. And we are guided by the scriptures. 
The scripture is a lamp unto my feet and a light for my path in Psalm 119.105. I am to meditate on the scripture. Do I need step 11? Yes, of course I do. I need a growing relationship with God to know his will for me. This is about knowing what God wants. In the beginning, my free will was used to rebel against God and God's ways. My behavior, my thinking was the source of my pain, my addiction and obsessions, my sin, and all the trouble I caused others. It was a major deception to call this free will. Now that I've surrendered my will to God, I am truly free, and I desire to know more fully God's will for my life. When I meditate, finding God's will in God's mind and God's heart, then I discover how much more I need God's help and power in order to live in his will. And I need a growing relationship with God to have God's power in me. This is about doing what God wants. I am powerless unless God empowers me. Remember the toaster. My prayer is that God will open my eyes, soften my heart, enlighten my mind, and transform my character to his will, to his son Jesus, and only God has the power to do any of that. Step 11 puts me in the right place on a regular basis for God to grow me into his will. I need that. Remember that fully functional plug has three prongs. A one-prong plug does not function. A two-prong plug does not meet code. Each of these prongs is necessary for power to flow. A fully functional Christian is like that three-prong plug, fully grounded in the scriptures and empowered by the Holy Spirit through prayer and meditation. That's step 11. Let me introduce you to step 12. Carolyn read the scriptures earlier, and from Galatians 6.1, she read, You who are godly. Another translation reads, You who live by the Spirit. Christianity is a godly life, a Spirit-led life. By surrendering our life and our will to Jesus Christ, we are forgiven of our sin and their consequences. And we are empowered by the Holy Spirit to live like Jesus did. Our mission is to live in God's will and bring the message of Jesus' love and life to others through our words and our deeds. You know, in essence, the alcoholic has chosen alcohol as their higher power. It is the alcohol that takes the alcoholic from stress, anxiety, frustration, pain, unhappiness, and transforms them above these feelings. And it is not the purpose of AA to merely get someone to stop drinking, but to change their higher power. Some have suggested that AA then is all about discipline. And though there is some measure of power in personal discipline, AA is not a program of discipline. AA is a spiritual program that connects individuals and the group with the power that is greater than themselves, that is, God as each person understands God. Here is step 12. Having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to others who struggle with alcohol or other addictions, obsessions, or sin. 
and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Note where steps 1 through 11 take us, a spiritual awakening. By turning our life and our will to God, our addiction, our sin is removed and we are given power to both know and do God's will. Our mission is to pass this message on to others with addictions and sins much like our own. For the person who is an alcoholic and are now in AA, it is helpful to know this perspective. Alcoholics Anonymous is a spiritual program. Alcoholics Anonymous is not primarily about education. That is, understand this and make a better decision. AA is not about merely giving out information, though it certainly has much information to give. AA is a spiritual program. These steps begin by declaring our powerlessness and the reality that power comes from God. Now, as we seek God's help in understanding step 12 and putting it into practice in our lives, please join me once again in praying the serenity prayer. God, grant us the serenity to accept the things we cannot change, the courage to change the things we can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Living one day at a time, enjoying one moment at a time, accepting hardship as a pathway to peace, taking, as Jesus did, this sinful world as it is, not as we would have it, trusting that you will make all things right if we surrender to your will, so that we may be reasonably happy in this life and supremely happy with you forever in the next. Amen. So how do we understand step 12? Growing up in my family home was literally marked for us. Every birthday, we would march to the basement and gather around a post near my dad's workbench. This 8 by 8 post had a series of lines on every side, and beside each line were dates. Every line marked how tall we were on our birth dates. Now, during those rapidly growing years, I would often stand up next to the pole to see how far I'd grown during the year. I would notice my growth. It wasn't measured yet, it wasn't my birthday, but I noticed and I checked. Step 12 is noticing growth. By the time we reach step 12, our life has been marked by a spiritual awakening. Growth will be noticeable and therefore measurable as well. Through God's grace and our commitment to work these steps, we've had a life-changing spiritual experience. But please understand this. Spiritual experience is not defined as spiritual because it is mystical or mysterious or because we've done religious things. Spiritual means that we have surrendered our life and will to God, and God has done something that we by nature or strength or ability or discipline could not do. You know, we began our journey as kings and queens of our own life, trying to control our little kingdom, and it wasn't working. We now have come to a point in our journey where a new king is on the throne, God, and a new kingdom is in place, not ours, but God's kingdom, and we can see the marks of growth. But caution, please hear this. If we have merely added God as an ingredient to our life, there will be some growth, but we will not have had a spiritual awakening. 
if we have maintained control throughout the steps and even work them with great dis- discipline ourselves, we will find some growth, but no spiritual awakening will have occurred. But if we have relied on God's presence, given him control of our life and our will, and work the steps in partnership with him, then this growth will not only have occurred, but a spiritual awakening will also have happened. Step 12 is taking the time to appreciate the spiritual awakening and subsequent growth in our lives, growth which God has brought about in us, growth which we have participated in by working the steps, growth which has brought us peace with God, with ourselves, and with others, and growth that is noticed by others and with whom we can share both our God and the steps he has given us for this life of peace and peaceable living. So how do I work step 12? Well, we begin by understanding that step 12 is a milestone. Climbing a mountain is no easy task, but it is an exceptionally exciting experience. I can say that real quick, especially when you reach the summit. From the valley, you cannot see the summit, but you can believe it's there. At best, you can see the summit's edge. But when you arrive at that point, you are amazed at how far you still have to go. The journey, mountain climbing, is challenging. The ache and burn experienced in the calves from the incessant climbing. The slippery rocks as you step across brooks and streams. The change of temperature as you climb into the cool and exposed weather above the tree line. The shortness of breath as you ascend to regions with less oxygen. These all put your strength, your energy, and your balance to the test. But the journey is also beautiful if you stop long enough to look around. You see the panorama of valleys and hills stretched out below. You see beautiful streams and lakes dotted with wildflowers and moss. Often you will see wildlife like deer or fox and occasionally a bear. But there is no feeling as grand as stepping to the summit with a breathtaking view in every direction. It is life-changing. Step 12 is like reaching the summit. Our spiritual journey is taking us to a summit we at one point never thought we could reach. It's life-changing. The transformation of character is beautifully captured for us in what Paul wrote to his friend Titus. I quote, It wasn't so long ago that we ourselves were stupid and stubborn, dupes of sin, ordered every which way by our glands, going around with a chip on our shoulder, hated and hating back. But when God, our kind and loving Savior God, stepped in, he saved us from all that. It was all his doing. We had nothing to do with it. He gave us a good bath, and we came out of it new people, washed inside and out by the Holy Spirit. Our Savior Jesus poured out new life so generously. God's gift has restored our relationship with him and given us back our lives. And there's more life to come, an eternity of life. You can count on this. Titus 3, 3 through 8, is translated by the message. Paul's point with Titus was to show how far they had come on the journey and how grand a place they'd come to. Once they were without God, Now they are justified and made God's heirs with the hope of eternal, abundant life. To consider how far you've come, what you have experienced, even endured, is a good practice. Step 12 is meant to be that kind of thing. But there is more than just stopping 
reviewing the journey, and living in hope. Because step 12 is not merely a milestone, it is also a threshold. It's a threshold that brings us to a whole new adventure as we invite others to join us as traveling companions. But, but who are these others, these traveling companions? How do we find them? The Apostle Peter writes about how we might find these traveling companions in his first letter. I quote him, But in your hearts revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect. 1 Peter 3.15 The rest of our life adventure is in staying close to God and inviting others to join us on the journey. Visualize this with me. I have climbed to the summit of Mount Washington four times. Once with a couple of friends, once with a youth group, and once with each of my two sons. Each time I have climbed the trail called Tuckerman's Ravine. About halfway, you come to Hermit Lake, fed by springs and a small waterfall. The Hermit Lake shelters are there. And from here, the most demanding part of the climb begins. Many people decide to stop and go no further. And that's fine. But if you continue, you discover that the switchback trail travels alongside the waterfall for nearly half a mile. As you pause to catch your breath, you turn around and see the gorgeous view of Mount Washington Valley. The first trip was thrilling. The view from the summit was amazing in every direction. And each trip I made, I found new beauty and delight and challenges on the climb. And at the summit, I was always thrilled with the view. There are three points I wanted to make from climbing Mount Washington. The first is, I never made the trip alone. I was always with others, either as a follower or as a leader, and always as a companion. So it is in doing the 12 steps. You do not travel the steps alone. You are either with a sponsor or you are a sponsor for another, and you are always with a group. And so it is with Christianity. God made us for companionship, for fellowship. We are a family with God as our father, Jesus as our brother, and each of us as sisters and brothers with one another. The second thing, no matter how beautiful it was, especially that first time, I could not live on the mountaintop. To survive at the summit is just not possible for many reasons. Life was not meant to be lived. It was meant to be lived below the summit and most often in the valley. Life was given us so we could make these exhilarating climbs and then return to the valley, perhaps to climb again. So it is in doing the 12 steps. Once reaching the summit of step 12, we are called to return to the valley and share what we have experienced with others. And so it is with Christianity. We are called to live in the valley where people of faith in God can help those with little or no faith find God, where people who have made the climb can help show the way for others. This is what Jesus meant when he said, you shall be my witnesses. And third, I don't think I could make the climb today. I'm in shape. It's just not good shape. My body's getting a little old for such a climb. But there's more than one way to get to the top of Mount Washington. I can drive to the top. And if my car isn't in good shape, I can take the cog railway to the top. So it is in doing the 12 steps. Not every person takes the same trail to step 12. Not every addiction or obsession is the same. And for example, 
Some people have many more amends to make than others, and amends take time. So it is in being a Christian. Some of you can certainly do the journey with a friend, like a climb. You have the time, you have the energy, you have the stamina to help and encourage. But others of you have less time, but you have the resources to be able to bring others along, as in a car, with you. The point is you can make it possible for others to know the delights of our Lord, and you can make it possible by showing them and by traveling together. So do I need step 12? Absolutely I do. Does step 12 mean I've arrived? Well, in a sense of some measurable growth, yes, I've arrived. For the alcoholic, I'm happy in my sobriety. For the Christian, I've been rescued, redeemed, healed, made right, justified, whole, righteous. I am happy and at one with Jesus Christ. But in another sense, no, I've not arrived. There's more to be done. For the alcoholic, I'm sober and I'm happy, but I have a responsibility to help other alcoholics. I'm to help show them the way to the summit, as well as I must continue my journey toward greater wholeness. And for the Christian, I am made new, and I am happy. God has forgiven me. I've been redeemed. I'm his child. But I have a responsibility to help others, other sinners. I am able to show them the way to Christ and his redemption for them. I must continue my journey toward greater Christ-likeness in my own life, too. Our healing has come. But that is the beginning of our work of passing on our Lord and his plan for living. Now our assignment for our Lord is made clear, to be his ambassador, to show his love through how we love, to speak his love so people can come to know him through us. By his work in us, we become a good news person. We become instruments of his peace, peace in the valley, with God, with ourselves, with others. St. Francis of Assisi was a man with all prongs fully plugged into God, step 11. And St. Francis wrote a prayer that fully exemplifies step 12. In his prayer, we find our role as people who are fully surrendered to God. I've made a few minor changes in the prayer by the use of plural pronouns. Please join me as together we pray the prayer of St. Francis. Lord, make us instruments of your peace. Where there is hatred, let us sow love. Where there is injury, pardon. Where there's doubt, faith. Where there is despair, hope. Where there is darkness, light. Where there is sadness, joy. O Divine Master, grant that we may not so much seek to be consoled as to console, to be understood as to understand, to be loved as to love. For it is in giving that we receive. It is in pardoning that we are pardoned. It is in dying that we are born to eternal life. May it be so. Amen.